Well, great to see everybody today. I'm glad you made it to Center Point Church this morning. If you're new here with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here. And especially if this is your second time back with us, because maybe you were here on Easter and you wanted to see where this thing was going to go, I'm especially glad you came. And uh, this is week two of Rewritten. This is a series about how our life story can be rewritten by the power of God's love in the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about. But first, let me ask a question. How many of you have seen Avengers Endgame already? Raise your hand. Okay, a good bunch of you have seen it. And since the rest of us probably uh, haven't seen it yet, I just, I'll make it easy for you. I'm going to just go ahead and spell out what happens in the movie. So what happens is Thanos was, oh no, I'm just messing. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. In fact, speaking of headlines, there was a headline yesterday of um, somebody stood out in front of a movie theater and just gave away Avengers Endgame to all the people that were waiting in line and got beat up to the point they had to take him to the hospital. So I would not do that. I will not tell you what happened. Anyway, um, but there is a... A Marvel movie that I wanted to talk about for a moment, it was a number of months back, so it's probably safe, it's not going to be too much of a spoiler for anybody, but it was the Captain Marvel movie, and, and that one, uh, I saw the movie, and I had been looking forward to it, I mean, another Marvel movie's coming out, I like those movies, and, and uh, there was a lot of anticipation, big budget, you know, big cast, and, and great director, all of that. I saw the movie and just kind of walked out of the theater thinking, eh, you know, it was okay. It, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't amazing. It just was okay. And I was wondering after the fact, I wonder why. I wonder what happened there. I wonder why it was just meh, why it just didn't kind of do much for anybody. And I think it has to do with the fact that the main character, her name was Carol Danvers, is that she didn't really have much of a challenge to overcome. And because she never really had to overcome much of a struggle, our hearts never got really drawn into her story all that much. And so it was kind of hard to feel excited about the, the victory in the movie because we weren't really tied into the main character's struggle. Here, here's the thing. Big picture. We're talking in a series called Rewritten about how our life story can be rewritten. We should think big picture for a moment about stories. And stories that are good always kind of have a similar formula, and it's this, is that there's a character that has a problem, and they meet a guide who helps them find the solution to their problem so that they can overcome it and become the hero that they're made to be. That's kind of the arc of a story. And, and when that, that challenge that they got to overcome is missing, it's hard to feel real excited or bonded or invested in that main character, and that's probably why Captain Marvel just didn't rank all that high because there wasn't that much of a, of a deal to overcome. But here's what I wanted to say today. Every single one of us has a life story in which if we were able to sit down over a cup of coffee with a few other people around the room and get to know each other, what we would probably begin to hear is about how there are some very real struggles, challenges, difficulties and, and mountains to climb and, and pains to wrestle with that all of us have. And, and if we were sitting down over coffee with each other, once the small talk was done, it would be once somebody started saying, yeah, man, the thing that I'm up against, the thing that is hardest for me right now, when you begin to hear that, that's when, if you're listening, you start leaning in, you start listening up, and you start going, your eyebrows start raising a little, and, and you start to come alive a little. Why? Because it's what resonates with you. 
It's what you can relate to. The fact that there is a problem, there's a challenge, there's a difficulty, and you know then that you're not the only one, and you can nod your head in a sense and say, yeah, me too. But, but those are the moments that cause us to connect. It, it's over the areas where there's challenge, where there's difficulty. I mean, if you were sitting with somebody and they were like, well, I'm pretty much just awesome, always have been, always will be, you're going to just kind of disengage completely. You're not going to be very drawn into the, who they are and what's going on with them. But I do want you to know this, that Jesus is drawn in to your story. And he's drawn in to your life story in particular by way of the, the challenges, the difficulties, the problems, the pressures, the pain. He's drawn in. And, and he has a heart that resonates with those parts of your story, and he has something to say to every single one of us. And in John 16, this is what I hear Jesus saying to me and you. He says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. I want you to say this out loud from the screen with me all together, nice and strong. Ready, go. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus is so good that he loves us too much to sugarcoat things. And so he comes to us so clearly right from the get-go and says, hey, 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 don't, don't be surprised when things get hard. Just don't. Don't be surprised when all of a sudden this thing blows up on you and it's so difficult and challenging. Don't, don't be shocked by that. In fact, I want you to anticipate it. I want you to know that's part of the deal. It's part of it. It's not suddenly shocking to me that, that, that a hard thing happened in your life. No, no, I want you to know here in this world you will have many trials and sorrows. And he had to go and say many. Why did he have to say many? I mean, couldn't he have said a few? <laughs> he said many. You will. This is one of those life promises that I don't see crocheted hanging on anybody's <laughs> kitchen wall, you know. But it's truth. It's truth. In, here on this earth, in this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. Okay, so back to the storyline, right? A story is about a character who has a problem, who meets a guide, who helps them find the solution to overcome the problem and become the hero they're meant to be. You and I are the main character of our own story, and we have met a guide or, or you can meet him today. His name is Jesus. And as the guide, he says to us, watch how I do. Listen to me. I have the words of life, and I am the way and the truth and the life. And you're following me. Now follow me into victory. It's not about not having problems or challenge or trials or difficulty. It's about rising up in the midst of them and overcoming them. That's what Jesus is giving us an opportunity to learn from him. Are you a follower of Jesus? Then follow him into what it means to overcome the world. Ultimately, Jesus has overcome even to the point of overcoming death itself. But you and I, we need to determine whether we're going to follow him into that overcoming or whether we're going to be those who would just throw in the towel and say, ah, it's just all too much. But I think he's got a purpose for you. And I think his purpose is going to be revealed in your ability to rise up and be who he says you are. Again, one more time, you're the main character of your own story. But Jesus is also called the author and the finisher of our faith. 
And what that means is as the author, he has ultimate editorial privilege over the arc of the storyline of your life. And your story is being rewritten by his power and his love at every moment. It just is. And because your story is being rewritten, you, as the main character, are being changed. And so whatever you've thought of yourself, I want you to hear about what Jesus says about you, you're an overcomer, and I want you to believe it today, that you're an overcomer. And the main idea of this message, I would ask you to write it down, think about it, mull it over, meditate on it, but, but let it be a rewritten resolve of your own. I'm an overcomer through the overflow of God's love. I want you to say it one time with me. Say it. I'm an overcomer through the overflow of God's love. I'm an overcomer. I, I, want, you to, I want you to get that today. And... and this is a conclusion I come to by reading the last part of the book of Romans chapter 8. So I want you to take some time to go to that section of Romans with me today. Romans chapter 8, the last part of it. So you can go ahead and open up your Bible or your Bible app on your phone. Let's turn there. I want you to uh, read the Bible with me. But, but listen, I know that probably a lot of us haven't been reading the book of Romans like yesterday. So we can need a little context. So let me just give a little bit of context, sort of a jet tour through Romans. Are you ready? Okay. So thank you, Chris, and one other person. We've got a few people who are ready for the jet tour through Romans. Listen, uh, we're going to do it. This is, this is how it goes. Romans 1 and 2 describes the human story as it becomes infected with the disease of sin. That's Romans 1 and 2. And then Romans chapter 3 describes how there's nobody in the human community that didn't become infected by the disease of sin. It even says, no, there's no one who's righteous, not even one. It's there. And then you get to Romans 4, and it jumps to the Old Testament and shows Abraham all of a sudden. Abraham. Talks about how Abraham trusted God for a blessing in his future, and that God was pleased by Abraham's faith. Not so much by Abraham doing everything right, but by his willingness to trust God. And then in Romans chapter 5, we find that God has a solution to the problem of the sin infection. And the solution is the Savior Jesus. It says in Romans 5 that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. That was God's idea. And then in Romans chapter 6, it talks about the fact that there's a whole new way to live. It's a new way to live where you're dead to sin, but you're alive to God. That's a, amazing. And then Romans chapter 7 gets into the reality that there still might be a struggle with sin. Ah, the, that which I want to do, I don't do, and that which I do, I don't want to do. Who's going to save me from this body of death? Yes, there's, there's still a struggle with sin. There's a possibility of that, but there is a Savior in whom there's no condemnation. And Romans chapter 8 starts with, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. That's the truth. So that's our jet tour through Romans. And I don't know about you, but when I think about just a big picture, bird's eye view of what God's word says, I feel like it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing that God has done, isn't it? I mean, to start with everybody's wrecked with sin, and God's saying, yeah, but I got a plan for that. I mean, big picture, isn't that wonderful? Don't miss the big picture, right? Ah, it's wonderful. And so we jump into Romans chapter 8, verse 31, after thinking about all those wonderful things, and then it says this in verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? 
If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Don't you love that? Let me say that again. God himself has given us right standing with himself. Lest we ever forget where our right standing with God came from. Because it didn't come from, I finally get everything right. I finally attended enough church services. I finally raised my hand just the right way. I fi- no, it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with it. God decided to do it. God himself gave us right standing with himself. Somebody say amen. It's just too good not to. My right standing was accomplished by what God chose to do. Such good news. 34, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Oh, I just wish there was somebody that would pray for me. Oh, and there is. There always is. And and Jesus is always seated in heavenly places pleading for us. Man, it's such good news. And then in verse 35 it says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? That's a good question. If you were a Sri Lankan Christian right now, you might be asking that question. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? I wonder if maybe we could ask that question today. Does it mean, when bad things happen, does it mean that he no longer loves us? That's the essence of the question, right? I think we need to be able to ask this question. And we need to recognize that the Bible in this portion is speaking rhetorically. As in, the answer is no. But you and I need to determine that we're going to line up with that answer. Because what happens is hard things come, and if we haven't determined Hard things don't mean God doesn't love me. They just mean that I have an opportunity right now to overcome something and demonstrate his power in my life. But if we don't have that conclusion in our mind, then we begin to feel like, well, these bad things have happened. Maybe, maybe it does mean that God doesn't love me. Maybe it does mean that God isn't as good as people said he was. And, and we are the ones who become distant from God because of the hard things. The hard things are never meant to separate us from God's love, and they can't unless we give in to let them. And so it's our choice, a mature posture of faith to say, I will not let hard things separate me from God's love. I will choose to see eternally rather than temporally only. If we have decided the only way I'm going to think God is good is if everything in my situation and my circumstance turns out the way I want it to, we're going to be stuck in a bad place. But if we can rise to a place where we understand that God's love is for us even when things are hard, we can make it. You can make it. I think about it like this. 17 years ago, my wife and I stood at the altar and we faced each other and, and we said these vows. We said, I, I take you and to love and to cherish in, in sickness and in health for, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. You know, we made these vows and everything was roses, literally, on our wedding day. And then reality happened. 
and, and where we made this promise because love was at the core of us about, yeah, for better, for worse, then some, some worse things started happening. Like all of a sudden, I'm dealing with a situation so bad with where I was working that I had to leave and didn't even have anything to go to, and it was rough, and, and that, that uncertainty of how are we even going to make ends meet, that could have that done us in, could have separated us, but love was at the core, and that love rose up and allowed us to draw closer together. And then we began having kids, and I'm not saying that that is in the category of worse, but I am saying it was hard. <laughs> Like, it, it got hard, right? Because all of a sudden, you're not sleeping, you got people, little ones screaming, and you got some tension and physical pain and all that, and, 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 and it could have driven us apart. But we had love at the center, and that love rose up in us, and the love caused us to be able to overcome the hard seasons of having newborns. And, and then when difficulties began happening, I could go on and on, but I want you to just recognize that it was never about there not being hard things, it was about choosing that love would give us the secret strength from within to rise above those hard things when they come. And this is what we're made for. It's what we're called to. I want you to just keep reading this with me again in verse 35. It said, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell could separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is our secret source of strength, and it's unfailing, and it's unstoppable, and it's unconditional. That love rises up, and we get to be carried by it. It's what we are made to live in and experience of, and it is unfailing. It never quits. It never stops. The goal of the Christian life was never to somehow manipulate God so that everything is always rainbows and unicorns all the time. No. It's not possible and it isn't the goal. The goal of the Christian life is to live like you're loved because you are thoroughly and completely and eternally loved and to live like you're loved. That's what we're called to. To learn how to live like we're loved even when things get hard. To learn how to live like we're loved even when we're in the middle of something totally uncertain that we don't know the outcome of. To live we're like we're loved even when we're feeling the burden and the pressure and the pain. To live like you're loved at any moment. That, that's really the goal. That's what God is calling you and I to. Because it says again in verse 37, go there with me. It says, now despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Why don't you say this with me? Ready? Go. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Despite all these things, as in, they're going to be there. The challenges, the trials, the difficulties, the diagnoses that we didn't want, or whatever, it's going to be there. But despite all those things, overwhelming victory is ours. How is that possible? 
It is possible because we serve a God who is eternal and is always taking us into eternity with him. And the challenges and setbacks and difficulties and pains are temporal. And we live forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and through him we always have an overwhelming victory. The NIV puts it like this. It says, no, in all these things, say it with me, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. As in, it wouldn't even be satisfactory to call you a conqueror. You're just two clicks up from that. You're a, more than a conqueror. This is, this is what it means to be an overcomer, to live above the, t- the trial and the, and the difficulty of the challenge. When I was growing up, we, we went to a, a church in Princeton, New Jersey, where one of the pastors was named uh, David Stokes. And Pastor David Stokes was, he, he was a, one, of those, uh, one of those pastors that you really look forward to hearing when they're going to get up there and preach. And one of those pastors that you just have this heart of respect for and appreciation for, even if you didn't personally know him. And the reason for that is that David Stokes was a, a man who had cerebral palsy, and he had it pretty severely, along with a few other conditions. And so when, when David Stokes would get up to preach, it would take him three minutes sometimes just to get to the, the pulpit. And you watched him take every step to get up to the place where he was going to preach, and you knew that every step was an overcoming right in front of your eyes. And then the man began to speak, and every syllable, you could tell, every syllable was a challenge for him to even utter. But every syllable was an evidence of overcoming in every single second and every word that you heard. And every ounce of wisdom that came, came from the heart of a man that had chosen to be who God says he was, an overcomer. And it is a choice. Because the storyline could have been different, couldn't it have been? David Stokes got cerebral palsy, threw in the towel, said, that's it, my life is done, I give up, I quit, just wait till I die. This story could have gone that way. But to become and to be an overcomer is about making the choice to say, no, I will not quit, I will not give up, I will not back down, I will not let this challenge grind the life out of me, I will not let this difficulty define me, I will not say I'm done until God says I'm done, and until that moment, I'm going to keep rising up and believing him even through the challenge. I'm an overcomer. Say it, I'm an overcomer. Make that whole statement again. I'm an overcomer through the overflow of God's love. Say it. I'm an overcomer through the overflow of God's love. When you know how much you are loved, you know that you have a secret source of strength that's rising up inside of you so that when the hard things come, you got a source of fuel to fire you up to make it through it or over it. An overcomer. The implication isn't even the word itself, right? Overcome means there's going to be stuff you're going to have to come over. There's going to be a challenge and difficulty and pressure and and pain. And you have an opportunity to live as somebody who in the middle of all of those things, despite all of those things, or as it said in, in the NIV, in all of those things, to grab hold of that secret source of strength that is the love of God and to plow through and rise up. This matters. Because otherwise, we settle for, instead of being overcomers, for becoming overcome 
by. And we allow false identifiers to be imprinted on us based on a condition or a circumstance and we define ourselves by our victimhood. Overcome by this weight problem, overcome by this diagnosis, overcome by this addiction, overcome by how this relationship turned out, overcome by the disastrous nature of this job, overcome by the failure of the business, and on and on it goes, right? But all the while, God's idea was for you and I to see ourselves completely differently. And instead of labeling ourselves as overcome by and a victim of, to be able to say, no, 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 I'm the one who overcomes that thing. That challenge, that difficulty, that hard thing, I'm not going to ignore it. It's real. But I'm rising up and I'm coming for it because that's what I do. I've got the secret source of the love of God rising up in me and I'm ready. I'm going for it. I'm going to come after this thing. I'm going to rise up and go for it. You've got to let your voice be heard sometimes. Your voice of faith, your voice of trust in God. Last Sunday morning, uh, I woke up really early. I, I felt like God was prompting me that I needed to go uh, climb up to the top of our little mountain over here uh, before the sun came up on Easter Sunday. I felt like God wanted to meet with me up on, <laughs> up on that ridge over there in the dark before the sun came up on Easter so I could just like pray for everything that we'd be doing in our Easter services. So I got up real early, 4 o'clock, and, and about 4.30, I I headed out, so it was hiking up that hill in the dark. I, I've done that, that hike a, a lot, a hundred times probably in the daylight, but I've never done it in the dark. And so all of a sudden, I'm going up the trail, and I couldn't believe how dark it really was. And then all of a sudden, all I could think about was like, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm remembering, I'm having like sudden flashbacks of the, the headlines in the news of woman gets mauled by mountain lion and trails. And, you know, and I'm thinking about that. And all of a sudden, in my mind, the hills are alive and it's not with the sound of music. It's with lions and bobcats and coyotes and they're all going to kill me. You know, and the headline's going to be like, pastor doesn't make it to church on Easter Sunday because uh, he's attacked by a lion. And, you know, the truth is, there's probably nothing out there, but in my mind, it was, it was, I was done for. And, and I almost was about to go home. I was thinking, oh, this is crazy. What am I even doing out here? I, I'm sure God will be fine if I pray in the family room, you know? But, but I felt like I, I had to do this. And so I, I started deciding, I gotta, I gotta, if they're out there, I think I remember seeing on some trailhead, like if you think there's a bear, make yourself bigger, you know? And so, so I took my walking stick and I started whacking all the trees with it as I go. And then I wanted to make sure they heard me. So I started growling as I went. I was going, ah, 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 every single step. And I know it sounds crazy, but I think I caused every single mountain lion in a 10-mile radius to flee in fear of the Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the danger that I was facing was probably a, a, a 0.5 on a scale of 1 to 10. But in my mind, it was at least a 6. And expressing myself, letting my growl out a little bit, maybe it didn't do anything to the actual you know, critters there, but it did something to me. It caused me to have an in, in, increase in my own capacity to have confidence to keep going by letting my voice be heard, by, by growling a little bit. And sometimes you just got to growl a little bit. You need to express your own chosen 
trust-filled confidence, and you just got to growl it out sometimes and just go, ah, I believe my God is for me and not against me. Ah, I believe my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Ah, I believe that with my God, I can scale a wall. Ah, I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ah, I believe that my God is my defender and my shield. My God is the glory and the lifter of my head. My God is my king. You know, I mean, sometimes you got to just let that growl out. And if it sounds like I'm being a little eccentric, it's because I am. But I'll tell you what, that changes the game. Letting it out, letting that growl of faith resound is part of what will allow you to carry yourself and be carried by God forward even despite all these things, even in all these things, the way he's called you to. First John 5, 4 and 5 says this. It says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm looking at a whole bunch of people in this room who, I know that you would say that this is true of you, that you believe in Jesus. Well, then would you take God at his word for what he says here, that whoever believes that Jesus is the son of God overcomes. That's his idea. It's time for you and me to line up with it and stop embracing a defeatist, self-sabotaging attitude, but instead to say, no, no, I know who I am. I believe in Jesus, and therefore I'm an overcomer. Four people saying amen. Come on, you could do better than that. When God gave this thought, he had you in mind, you who would believe in Jesus, that you would know who you really are, that you are somebody who is able to rise up and overcome because you know that you are loved, that you know that you are loved so much that you have a Savior who gave his life for you so that you could rise up as the overcomer that God has always meant for you to be. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God, this is the one who overcomes the world. And I think I'm talking about you. But I also know there's probably some of us here who we've never really come to any conclusion with regards to who Jesus is. And maybe that's what we need to do right now, is once and for all, just determine, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Because when, when, we, when we do that, we're born again. And when you're born again, you got new DNA and you got kingdom DNA. You got the Father's love and glory rising up and growing in and through your life. And it's what you're made for, to live in a victorious posture as an overcomer who knows you've got a God who's for you and not against you. So, so right now, I want you to pray with me. And for some of us as believers, it's time to just line up again with God's love for us and to choose to line up our own identity with what God has already revealed. And for others of us, it's time for a line in the sand kind of moment where once and for all we would say, Jesus, I believe in you. So wherever we're coming from, let's pray right now. God, I pray that right now you would allow every one of us who is a believer to experience the way our story is being rewritten by the power of your love. And I pray for this, God. I pray for a redefinition of our own sense of who we are and that we would be able to say no it's true I am an overcomer I'm not gonna drown in this junk I got a God who's gonna 
give me the strength to get through it. And then I'm going to be able to look back and tell a tale of what my God did for me because I'm an overcomer. God, I pray for a release of that into every single one of our hearts. Whatever you came in with today, I don't know about the degree of the challenge of it. And for some of us, it's, it's, maybe it's a mild thing. It doesn't even feel like that much of a big deal. But for others of us, it, it, it's been heavy. It's been really tough in, in ways that go beyond even putting into words. But you came to church today, and God's wanting for you to embrace this definition from his perspective of who you really are. You are an overcomer. You will overcome. This thing doesn't have the last word on your life. God does. And it's time for you to agree with him. And maybe right while you're sitting right now, you just say, God, thank you for making me an overcomer through the overflow of your love.